Hey, this is Jenna. And this is Erin. And we are both doctors of physical therapy. And this is our Heal at Home Moms podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Heal at Home Moms podcast. We are so excited to host Dr. Patricia McClelland. I love this conversation because... um, it always brings me back to my number one rule of parenting is don't let mama go down and That's perspective amazing. of a first time mom is they don't know they're at the end of their rope mm-hmm. until they've let go. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you're dealing with severe pain or severe postpartum depression mm-hmm. or something. And they Sorry, just don't notice it. It's true. They don't notice it because they're so focused on the baby. And of course you need to be focused on the baby Mm -hmm. and you need the support Mm -hmm. to remember, Hey, look at, look at yourself. Yeah. Like it's okay to make yourself a priority. Right. I I remember one of my friends um, knocked on the back door. She has four girls and she knocked on the back door. I came to the back door, just tears streaming down my face and total fog and she said, she grabbed Walker and said, go to bed. Oh, and she almost had to push me because my brain wasn't working. Mm-hmm. So I went to bed and three hours later I get up and there she is. And so it's, it's, that's why you have to have a village too. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you're not going to remember that for yourself. Sadly, very few women do. Right? Oh, I know. So it's. Yeah. Yeah, we t- we we have one of our little posts or things that we say is just the realization that babies on average get a 12 doctor visits their first year and moms get one. Yeah. You, you know, know what's interesting um because of the rate of maternal mortality in the first year postpartum um is essentially higher than almost any other uh, first world country is I didn't know that meta, um, there's been changes in um, coverage um, for like Medicaid type coverage um, to include the first year so not all states have jumped on the bandwagon for that and I do know that they're um, looking that at in Congress um, but what happens is for a lot of women if if they don't come in for a six-week postpartum visit, they make an appointment for eight weeks for whatever reason. It's not covered, and which so is crazy. They miss they miss a very important window, especially for contraception, mm. um, mm. and that is that is so important because really, if you think about the healthiest spacing for children, is two years. And the greatest risk... I know we talked about that. Yeah. Just, I mean, especially since yeah. I had C-sections. Right. Yeah. But this is not just C-sections. And I wanted to try... Right. Well, I wanted to try a V-back. Right. So you were very upfront that, like... Yeah, and you that's your scar. And it's crazy is if you get pregnant and you want to try for a V-back after a C-section, your C-section scar is still healing mm-hmm. and getting stronger in the first 18 months. Mm-hmm. Um but also it's all the other health issues so you think about it in the first six months if you get pregnant within the first six months after having one baby then essentially you've increased complication 
multiple complications for the next pregnancy. Makes sense. And then in yeah. that situation, you're also not rehabbing. Mm-hmm. No, you're, you're pelvic not rehabbing. Because <laughs> like, you have a newborn. Yeah. And <laughs> My whole thing is like, I wish, and I'm, me and all my sisters have said that, that I wish that like the mindset was like preventatively, like people wait and do like healing exercise or learn stuff about their body. After they're done with having babies. Yeah. Or like, oh, I've been told I have a prolapse now, so I better. And it's like, I wish that we all, I wish the culture was to like be preventative and like take the time to strengthen and rehab in between each pregnancy. Ideally, of course, things happen sometimes. Right. But like, of course, but if, if we all healed a little bit, even a little bit in between each pregnancy, I feel like the end result of what your body is able to handle and how it's able to heal, it's going to be so much greater. Like my diastasis got better by my third pregnancy. That's supposed to get worse with each pregnancy. And the only reason that I can think of that it got better is because my biomechanics and my postural changes and my exercises just became a part of my life. Right. You know? Well, the other thing that's important, too, that you didn't mention is you lost your pregnancy weight. And mm-hmm. so if you... True. I worked pretty hard to do that, too. It did right. not happen naturally the second... First time yeah. it did, actually, but the yeah. second and third it didn't. But if you really, if you really want to make your pelvic floor worse then don't lose your pregnancy weight. Right. Um, Because if you start off, because most women, they'll start off, they'll gain some, they'll gain between... Each pregnancy. They'll gain with each pregnancy. They don't lose it or they lose only a little bit. So cumulatively, by the time they're done having children, they're anywhere from 20 to 60 pounds heavier. And that in and of itself is going to cause pelvic floor issues. So even if you, so to kind of flip that comment, even if you lose 10% of your waist weight, then you can eliminate bladder leakage. Mm-hmm. That's one incredible. Of, yes. One of, one of the things that I read um, a long time ago, but it was like every five pounds that you have over your waist equals two times the pressure on the bladder. Um, so like for prolapse, for right. leakage, for things like that. Um, so I think it's like five, five pounds around the waist, um, equals two times the amount of pressure being pushed down. Um, well, and I can only speak for myself, but I swear I've joked about this before, but ever since I had diastasis, I swear if I gain five pounds, it goes straight to my tummy. Like I, I feel like it's like yeah. trying to pad and insulate my organs. It's like trying to help me out. <laughs> um, it's like it's like a little, but it specifically goes right there, even more than it ever did. And that's where people like will ask me. I can put on five pounds, and people are like, "Oh, are you pregnant?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, no. It's just that my, you know, like a combination." <laughs> I want to be like, "No, are you?" <laughs> Let's not ask that question. Just, oh, you know. I learned. I learned at six years old not to ask it because. <laughs> I asked a woman who was postmenopausal, and boy, she ripped me up one side and down the other. And I still remember that. I was six. It was like yesterday. (laughs) I don't, you know, if you're pushing, I'll ask if you're pregnant. But until then, I'm like, no. I was wearing, so I was wearing this fitted dress. I'm kind of in that place right now where, like, after I finished nursing, I was put on a few pounds, and so I'm in that place now. And uh, I wore, like, a fitted dress to church Sunday, and I remember asking Brian, I was like, do I look totally pregnant in this and of course he was like no not at all I love it and he, he likes the dress and so I wore it and Mira my four-year-old during like the end of church was like rubbing my stomach and she was I like your dress mommy and I was like, oh thank you Mira she was it kind of
kind of looks like you have a baby in your belly. Oh. <laughs> and Brian was next to me. He goes, ah, goodbye dress that I like. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but my, I swear, I mean, if I gain five pounds, it goes straight on my belly. And I do notice that it tends to pull on my separation a little bit more. and makes it a little bit oh, yeah. more of an uphill battle for me to keep my diastasis under control. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is frustrating, right, to feel like that small of a change can have an effect. But it does. It really does. And I think the other thing to mention is that a lot of women think about, we're very uneducated about how to safely lose weight, Correct. I think. And so a lot of moms are like, I need to drop this weight, which we do often, but like they'll go running. Or high intensity. Or high intensity. They think of like really high cardio that they don't have the base support to support, right, or in their body. Or they cut their calories oh, down. Yeah. And then lose their milk supply. And, well, what they do, so what you do with the calorie component, if you really reduce your calories and you're still eating the standard American diet, Mm -hmm. then you are not just starving yourself, you're extra starving yourself. um, Because because you have no nutrients. Mm -hmm. Um, So an an example that I give that seems to resonate, um, if you eat, you know, you think, oh, good, I'm going to have a snack pack so if you go get a hundred calorie snack back, whatever, granola, cookies, whatever. Like, let's be real. It's like Nilla wafers. Nilla wafers. <laughs> Oreos. A snack pack of Oreos. Oreos. You yeah. think, oh good, this is only a hundred calories. And you eat it, your body looks at that and goes, yep, there's nothing in here that I can use. And so what it does is it just puts it straight in your belly, mm-hmm. fat to your belly. Now, if you ate an apple with some peanut butter, So you're getting some healthy fat, you're getting protein, you're getting carbs, and you're getting a bunch of nutrients. Your body says, whoa, I can use that. Mm -hmm. And that pretty much is all used as energy. Mm -hmm. And so people wonder why, oh my goodness, the 100-calorie snack pack is not adequate, but the, you know... You said 100 calories, but maybe that apple and peanut butter was 200. Yeah. But it's... But it's so really, if you... On so many it's, levels, it's better. It's really about food choices and not about calories. So if you are choosing healthy food, um, and really what it is, is it's whole food, minimizing carbs, um and minimizing or eliminating processed food. Mm -hmm. Now, calories do play a role, because I'm going to say when I started exercising, eating healthier after having Walker, I could, and I was training for a half marathon. Mm -hmm. I did that after Mira. I was, I was one to two months into training, and I hadn't dropped a thing. That was me with Mira. I could, it made my weight gain and diastasis worse actually as I well I did walk run so I was mm-hmm. very careful um and then I decided to look at my calorie intake it was over 3,000 a day <laughs> <laughs> and, and it like, was all healthy I'd have to walk a, and <laughs> run like a lot of miles not expending the amount of energy so then I eating. realized well calories do play a role um they but, do yeah but I think that I I am for my knowledge of physiology and how our body works, I am always suspect of anything less than 1,500. Um, because some because I see so many people 
um, like standard nutritionists recommend something like um, 1,200. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is, is the focus is on how many carbs, how many protein, you know, what's your, um, your carbs, your protein, and your fat. And the standard recommendation is often 60% carbs. And I did not know that. Um, I totally 150,000% disagree with that. If you look at um, the My Pyramid chart, for yeah. Yeah. well, that makes sense. I guess I don't think yeah. that holds much. It's not much weight. weight. It yeah. shouldn't. But, but that's, or it that's, can add a lot of weight, actually. <laughs> sorry. But if you're a woman, which I think everybody here is. Oh, sorry, Tyler. <laughs> sorry, Tyler. But um, he says both for women. There we go. If you're looking He's through, representing. If you're looking through the lens of somebody who is making female hormones and you know anything about physiology, that is that's not gonna work. That's a that's a recipe to gain weight. It's not a recipe to be healthier. That's why, and obviously, we, we get asked a lot about nutrition and stuff, even though that's definitely not our still, area of yeah. expertise, and we refer out for that. But I can at least, but then I remember that some of my patients are like drinking Mountain Dew and eating pizza every night, and I'm like, I can at least help some, yeah. right? Like, let's cut, like you said, like cut out the processed foods, eat more protein, fruits, and vegetables, like, like you said, whole foods. Right. That's pretty much as far as my stuff ever goes, just because that's not our. Well, well, I know, but there's an element. I think I think it's helpful to add to that, and mm-hmm. I like analogies. I like word pictures because that helps me. But it's almost like putting water in your gas tank. Mm-hmm. Um, we do talk about yeah, it's, bladder irritants and if hydration you put a lot. Water in your your gas tank, then well, I'm putting something in. Well, you're putting something in that your car doesn't use, yeah. and will injure the engine yeah um and one of the you know because especially if you're breastfeeding and that baby is essentially sucking you dry um and they're gonna get what it does feel like that oh it does (laughs) it does you're like how do i feel this way (laughs) but they but they're gonna get what they need before us yeah and if you really are thinking about okay how can i make these muscles healthier how can i get these bones healthier it's protein and a variety of nutrients. Mm-hmm. Um, and I heard somebody say recently, um, and I've adopted this, is just eat the rainbow. Get your fruits, vegetables, and just try to hit every color. Mm-hmm. Eat your non-processed rainbow. Yeah. Non-processed, <laughs> non-processed rainbow. I got my orange jello. Don't eat the Skittles. My... <laughs> I've got my Starburst. <laughs> eat the rainbow, guys. I no, know. I'm just kidding. I know. <laughs> But, I mean, yeah, that, there's something to be said about, like, nu- nutrients and stuff, too. Like, even your baby and their development and growth, too. So, like, even if it's not just for you, like, do it for the child yeah. kind oh, of thing. There was a point where Lily was starting to eat food when we just had one. And I remember, like, Brian and I sat down to, like, I think it was literally, like, pizza rolls and a beer or something. And I remember being, like, if I wouldn't feed my child what I'm eating, I should probably feed myself better. Like... <laughs> Because I was like, oh, I would never feed her pizza rolls. You'd have to wait till she's 21. <laughs> well, and, and hopefully not the beer either. Hopefully not definitely, the beer. Definitely not the beer. But that was kind of an obvious part there. But um, but I remember being like, we're eating pizza rolls for lunch. Wow. And I would never feed my kid pizza rolls for lunch. So why am I feeding myself that? Like, And it helped me oh, yeah. reevaluate my diet just because 
here I was feeding her like whole foods that were organic and I was feeding myself Tino's pizza rolls. <laughs> but what I what I like about your comment is I'm not hearing shame Mm-mm. because no, what I yeah. what I hear a lot is is shame in that type of conversation. And if there's too much shame, then the only way to deal with that conversation is actually to justify what you're eating Um, Mm. instead of saying, you know what, that was really bad and oh well, and I'm going to be better and then move on. Um, So often there's so much shame and guilt that that, um, it's really hard to get somebody to a healthier spot. Yeah, that is really interesting. And I've, in the past couple or the past year or so, we've been studying the Enneagram. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, and it's been really interesting for me to just be way more aware of other people's natural tendencies. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. um, because that's the thing. I struggle with a lot of stuff, obviously. But I can look at something and be like, I should do better. And there's no shame associated with that. Right. But I'm learning that that's not a very common thing. Like, no. I can like I can say, I want... It's probably the least common thing, actually. Yes. Right. Like, for me to be like... I want my body to be a little better. And yeah, I need to have surgery one day for this separation or extra skin. And I'd like to do that. But I have no like hatred towards my body or myself. Like I have a lot of self acceptance and love. I love that comment because you know what? It, that's like a light bulb for me because I remember when you and I had so many conversations mm-hmm. about diastasis and all of these things. And something that is always the first my first filter when Mm -hmm. i'm discussing with people is there the element of shame Mm. and it makes me so sad and unfortunately if there's a lot of shame then what i say has to be modified dramatically because if i'm adding to your shame Yes. Correcting versus encouraging. Right. Yeah. And and unfortunately, just information feels shameful. Yeah. Um, but what was so gr- fun about mm. working with you was the fact that, man, we could talk I have about no everything. <laughs> no, but it was great. We talked about everything and it was like, oh, cool. Oh, great idea. And it was, it was two people with lots of knowledge, different expertise. Mm-hmm bouncing ideas off each other yeah um which was really cool and unfortunately i find some of the biggest limitations for people getting healthier is shame Mm -hmm. and um and that's hard that is really hard because i i i know my whole stance on but even even dieting even or i don't like the word dieting but like making different few choices or trying to improve yourself it all needs to come from a place of love and right. self-acceptance and wanting to improve yourself for yourself, not for anyone else, not for because you hate how you are, right? Like, and so, but with that, I remember very, obviously, vividly, there was a moment, I don't remember which kid it was, maybe after two, maybe after three, but I remember laying on the table and we were talking about like my extra tummy skin because I got a good bit and uh, Trisha <laughs> pulled up my skin with both hands and like wiggled <laughs> around and was like... Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably have it taken off if I were you. And I, but I remember it actually was, it was super healthy. It was a good conversation. Well, it was a great conversation. Yes, it was totally appropriate. And that's the thing. I left actually feeling validated. Like, right. It made me feel encouraged yeah, and validated. Be that like, yeah, this is totally, because 
that's the thing too. When I acknowledge something about myself that I wish maybe was like, or I'd like to improve and people sometimes, cause I think cause they're afraid of shame. They're like, Oh no, 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 no. That's not a problem. Or no, that's not right. a thing. Or that, that doesn't exist. Or I recently had someone who does not look at all like me be like, yeah, we're like the same. And I was like, mm. no, no, we're not. <laughs> but it validated me and like my self-awareness, if that makes sense. But it, no, it, 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 it makes me... a lot of sense, but yeah. a lot of people can't go there. So, yeah. so out of every 250 people that I have that conversation with, one yeah. can we have. But then what's interesting is if you can have that openness, you are more likely to heal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, mm-hmm. when there's so much shame, um, then... Um, and, and I use the word, I mean, guilt and shame are different. Um, and most people call guilt, what they call guilt is actually shame. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you do something quote bad, you should feel bad about it. And there's, that should help motivate to make a change. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see, you don't see a whole lot of motivating guilt. It's more about demotivating shame. Mm-hmm. Well, in that moment, you read me correctly because it, <laughs> yay, because it, it was that's good. <laughs> and yeah, but no, it was totally like I almost felt like empowered. Well, like I so. feel like you were even struggling with the idea of like the persona of having plastic surgery for that like like you were like yeah because I I plan to and I don't want to give across the like our whole thing is like love your body learn how to heal like have knowledge right Mm -hmm. be empowered and I don't want people to think that like I'm somehow not loving myself by making a choice right for that that I feel like is right for me like but that's because I have complete confidence that not only like anatomically and like structurally I want to have that support Mm -hmm. like I recently had the flu and my diastasis worsened from vomiting. Like, I'm tired of this, right? right. Like, I don't want to deal with this forever. I want to be able to wrestle on the floor and not be afraid. I'm going to get hurt somehow, like, with my kids, mm-hmm. right? And so, <laughs> specify, with, with my children. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, anyways, but yes, so I, I don't want to have some of these limitations long-term mm-hmm. when I don't have to and we're done having children, but I also don't want to... I know not everyone has the self-love and confidence. Right. Um, and so I don't want to be encouraging people down a road that may not be healthy for them. Right. If that makes sense. So it is. No, a, it makes sense. It's a struggle. Um, all I can say is treat your body well and love yourself. Right. And that looks well, different for everyone. It does look different because um, I think there's an element of assessment and an awareness that you need to have in order to become healthier. Um, but a lot of people stop there. They don't get healthier and then that owns them. Mm Um, and you don't want that either. Mm -hmm. Um, because if this issue is owning you that, you know, that's also not good either. No, or yeah, I love that in some ways I love that our culture is embracing like love yourself for where you are now because I think that's very important. But that I think the confusion is that doesn't mean that you have to live with those things forever. Perfect example, accepting your body even though you pee your pants when you try to run or jump or sneeze, right? Yes, love yourself. Don't be ashamed of that. It's a very common problem. But that doesn't mean accepting yourself does not mean that you can't try to get rid of that issue by Right. learning to strengthen your muscles or make 
better bladder irritant choices, right? Mm -hmm. So you can love yourself and strive to be a healthier version for yourself. Well, I think if you truly do love yourself, then what happens is you you are aware of where you are because you can never, you can never really change until you truly say exactly where you are. Mm -hmm. Um, And so loving, loving yourself in truly loving yourself means that you are assessing where you are. And if you love yourself, then there's an element that you're on this journey that you are, that you want to be better. You want to feel better. I mean, people want to feel better. People want to be happy. Um, and not me, not you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Not me either. <laughs> I never want to be happy. Oh, laugh, I'm definitely you know. driven. I'm that personality. I'm like, what is going to be the most fun and what's going to bring the best experiences? I'm there. But yes. most people, I mean, you can, everybody wants to be happier mm-hmm. and everybody wants to feel better. Yeah. Um, and, and until you kind of process through exactly where am I, how am I, um, I had a conversation um, I'm doing, I am, I spoke at a yoga retreat that a friend of mine has done. It's a series of, nice. uh, What's it, called? um, it is, well, the, the woman who does it is Allison Foster. Awesome. Okay. Um, she did a series where, um, a series of three yoga retreats. The first one was related to, um, burnout. The one that I talked about was related to um, nutrition and um, hormones. And then the last one will be on nutrition. Um, And one of the things that I thought was so fascinating when I talked and when I linked hormonal symptoms to food, um, the amount of anger, frustration, all the emotions, um, because people, unfortunately, we have very unhealthy uh, relationship with food, right. and everybody can make healthier choices. Oh, yeah. Yes, everyone can. And if some I people say, all do have more barriers than others, but we right. can all make at least some healthier choices. But we and we all have barriers, and they're different for different people. Um, but what's so fascinating is if I just sit and hold that person's hand and say, "Poor you," I've That's disempowered them. Yeah, yeah. If I sit there and go, "Those are hard," and how about this? The power that that woman gets, because really you want to empower them. And there it goes back to, yes, you have this set of limitations and another woman, you have this set of limitations, but hey, this tells us where you are. Let's empower you. Well, like you said, I mean, I've been fairly open that, I mean, I had an eating disorder in high school. And so all through my adulthood, I feel like um, blood sugar levels. And I've had to learn how to level those out. And I've been very careful not to do crazy diets because it's an unhealthy thing for me. So I have my own limitations when it comes to food and nutrition. And I have to be really careful how I view that stuff. Right. But so I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. Um, speaking of hormones and nutrition, just because I find this fascinating and this, um, so if there is a food you'd say to include or a food you'd say to take out because of its role with hormones in our bodies, I think that's a wonderful question. I think that um, the two things I would focus on the most of 
reducing or eliminating really is processed foods um, and carbs. What do you think about as someone who stays away? I stay away from a lot of, we eat some bread, but we don't eat a ton of bread and that kind of stuff. But we do rice, potatoes. What's your view on that stuff? So, you know, that I can give you a sweeping answer is be mindful. Um, And then some people um, will do better with some things versus another. So I'll give you an example. Um, I've gone through menopause. And when I was going through, and Woo-hoo. I, Woo-hoo. <laughs> um, somebody asked me the other day if I was going to have another baby. And oh. I was like, that would be a no. <laughs> well, one of my patients referenced how like young you look for yes, like, your age. Yes. So well, you're very youthful. So I'm going sure um, to, I'm going to give the credit to my, my parents. Um, the Dutch genes are, <laughs> I've are been strong. kind of blessed there. Um, <laughs> but also we've been taught to eat healthy our whole life. Mm-hmm. So what's fascinating for me is, um, like when I first started practicing, mm-hmm. um, I read the data that, um, only like 10% of women breastfed after the first three months. That was, really? wow. this was a long time ago, yeah. long time ago. And, um, <laughs> That, I was like, what? Everybody in my family breastfed. Everybody swoops around the new mom and makes sure they breastfeed and you just do it. And so it was so funny because, and then, Every family is so different. Right. It's like, you just breastfeed. You know, you eat lots of fruits and vegetables, um, even on a shoestring. And boy, we were raised on a shoestring. Hey, Aldi has some great prices for produce. Oh, they, yeah. (laughs) So- what I so different things will impact people differently. So when I was starting menopause, and this what I'm about to say really applies your whole life because your hormones are going to impact you whether it's PMS, heavy periods, cramping, um, just starting your period, right? Yeah, with, I said postpartum changes. Postpartum had changes. So many hormonal. Well, even stuff, just use of birth control can affect. Absolutely. Um, So I did the Whole30 diet. And the reason why I chose that, partly because my wonderful cousin helped me with it. But it was I personally for myself, but then also for patients, I wanted to see the impact of carbs, dairy, and gluten. Because all three of those can negatively impact your hormonal symptoms. So Mm -hmm. what I find interesting is people will say, oh, my hormones are off. And yes, their actual symptom is hormonal, but the cause is what they're eating or their stress. And so stress is a big one. So it is rare for somebody to truly have a hormonal issue that is not impacted by anything else. Like by their Mm -hmm. food choices, lifestyle, environment. Right. So to, to kind of switch that comment, I have, if somebody truly makes adjustment to their diet, then I will, I can see up to a 75, 80% reduction in hormonal symptoms. That is really interesting. So when I did that, when I did the whole 30, I did it, the whole 25. The whole 25? I stopped at 25 days. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, whatever works. Um, for, myself, for myself, it was carbs. Okay. And 
So um, then I've had patients or friends, and at the end of that 30 days, then it's gluten. So what I will often see is that gluten is more of an issue, and probably because their diet for the last 30, 40 years is high in processed foods. Mm -hmm. So when I did the Whole30, the, I didn't, my gluten intake was not dramatically different. That's fair. Um, so it was different because, um, you know, our family loves pizza, but, um, <laughs> but it's, so it's being mindful and also having a balance. Um, so like for us, I don't automatically make bread anymore as a filler for dinner. Mm-hmm. So we don't have that filler. If we have rice, then I will use wild rice or, um, or, um, or brown rice. Mm -hmm. Um, I, for my son, I can sneak in riced cauliflower. Um, we do that a lot too. Not for my husband. He recognizes (laughs) that evil vegetable anywhere. Costco has a really nice frozen riced cauliflower. Oh yeah. It's really yummy all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think some of it depends on, on yourself, but also what is doable. Um, I make, I will, um, roast vegetables and we all have kind of our favorite and I'll just roast a ton and then people kind of pick and choose their preference, um, on that. And that's super, super easy to -hmm. do with any meal, Mm -hmm. um, so I just take out those fillers, and I'm looking more at taking out than um, try to get too creative. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go to five different grocery stores to get, to get the perfect food. I know. Um, That's a struggle for me. I'm like, do you know how much work that is? Oh, so much work. And I see that. So people end up getting owned by that. And that's where I'm always careful is um, I don't want that to own you either. Yeah, the only reason I stopped whole, yeah. uh, well, other than we were going to a friend's birthday party, <laughs> we don't, and we had alcohol at his birthday party, but, um, so it was Chase's birthday at the time, yeah, so, um, but really the main reason being that I was at a place where we had a couple little kids, and I was working and doing a couple things, and I felt like to do, we already ate pretty healthy, and then to do the whole 30 for me, I felt like I spent the I spent all my free time chopping mm-hmm. vegetables. And while that was great, I literally evaluated and it was like, I don't think this is sustainable for this season of life for me. Um, personally, I can eat lots of fruits and vegetables and healthy food, but I just felt like um, I felt like I could use something in the middle that was sustainable, but that for me, that level, Like you said, I evaluated my life and I looked at it and I was like, this is just not quite where I need to be. Where you were mindful. But we kept a lot of the principles. That's why I like doing healthy things like that. Because even if you don't do it 100%, you do carry some of those principles with you in the way that you make choices and the way that you cook. Mm -hmm. But So what's something you would add in? Is there a Vegetables. Okay. Vegetables. Vegetables. Raw, cooked, does it matter? You know what? I don't care. Just eat them. Just some vegetables. And... Um, eat the rainbow. So try something new or different. Um, mm-hmm. I I think that um, I think that if you're going to look at fruits and vegetables, I would encourage more vegetables. Um, fruit does 
you know, fruit has a lot of sugar and whether it's quote healthy source or unhealthy source, the sugar still impacts um, your insulin the same way, which still impacts your hormones, etc. So um, the other thing that I look at too, another thing I like to recommend is looking at the glycemic index. Do you guys know what that is? That's not something I've looked too much into. I mean, so sugar. Well, particularly with diabetic. My grandfather was diabetic, so we had a lot of that um, information around. Well, what I like about, so the glycemic index compares food to, like if you ate a cup of sugar, Mm -hmm. what that does to your blood sugar, then what that does to your insulin. Um, And so every food is rated. And what I like about that and what I tell people is look at the top, 20, 30 foods that you like, and then make a healthier choice in that category and try to stay below a 55, which is pretty strict. Um, For example, let's say you love watermelon. Well, watermelon has a very high glycemic index. I do love watermelon. (laughs) Y'all. So then you look at that and you're like, whoa, berries have a much lower glycemic mm-hmm. index. So, if so you're comparing you between a, pineapple, watermelon, and blueberries. 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 Um, and then I made and, a good choice this morning. You did. But the, <laughs> the good thing about that is if I say that, do you feel deprived? I do not. No. So I will occasionally eat watermelon. Well, you still should because right. you want to. But, but maybe not a whole watermelon. Yeah. If you're looking at something you like female. versus something else you like, mm-hmm. you don't feel deprived. Exactly. If you feel deprived then you are not, that's not sustainable. Um, And so I really like people to look at the glycemic index so they can make choices. And bottom line, what that does is anything that makes you mindful, but not navel gazing is going to be healthier. Well, and too, like with a, well, when you, anything that spikes you up is always going to bring you down. So, like, if you think of it in just, like, making choices that keep you level, your even your emotions and everything else will be kind of more stable. Like, your your whole life kind of, like, I mean, levels out a little bit with that because your st- stress levels even won't be as high because your sugar levels actually increase that as well. Um, and as does, like, inflammatory responses, things like that. So, it's really important, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So if you want to circle that back around to postpartum, what everything we're talking about is don't let mama go down. Yeah. Okay. The other thing is carbs are very inflammatory. And if you're eating lots of um, vegetables and protein, basically what you're doing is you're presenting your body with all the right nutrients to heal. Um, And, um, and so everything we're talking about is really good in any season and postpartum. Yeah. I've even known people who are having difficulty conceiving and they cut out some of the inflammatory foods. Mm-hmm. And as they change their diet and get healthier, but also take away some of those inflammatory foods, they've been able to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's not a, obviously it's not a this equals this, but it is one of those things that you can do to just help yourself in general. Well, I think a, maybe a good point that, makes sense is the precursors for your stress hormones and for your female hormones are the same. And when your body is at the crossroads, do I make stress hormones or do I make the female hormones? Your body will 
always choose to make the stress hormones. And so most Which people, is sad news. <laughs> it is. But, um, you know, people say, should I run away from that tiger that's chasing me or should I make a baby? Mm-hmm. Um, and your body... Like run away from the tiger. Run away from the tiger. <laughs> so you can make the baby. Yeah, we had trouble getting pregnant. You know, our first, it took about a year. We were like right on the edge of whether or not we we're going to do some testing. And then we straight up went on a cruise, which I've never done before or since, but I loved it. And we got pregnant on the cruise because we just were relaxing yeah Yeah. we didn't worry about getting pregnant we at that point kind of had given that up a little bit and not given it up but like we're like if it's going to happen it's going to happen we're not going to try to time it or force it and um but I think some of the emotional and but also physical we relaxed we went sea kayaking we you know like Mm -hmm. we took dancing classes like it was just relaxing and uh and that's when we were able to get pregnant so for us. Oh, and you can't, I mean, there's all kinds of different ways to measure hormones and thyroid hormones and your blood sugar and your insulin, but checking, you know, looking at your stress hormones is not as easy and definitely doesn't give you the clear answer. Um, so you, you can't always have the data in front of you. Um, and a lot of people do better when they have data. So if you're feeling bad and I show you that your thyroid hormones are off and then I give you thyroid medicine, then that's clear data to make choices and a game plan. Mm-hmm. Um, Stress is so pervasive emotionally and physically. And you have to remember that, um, you know, the physical stress after having a baby, even if you feel fine emotionally, has the same impact. Mm -hmm. And absolutely. Yeah. And as one of my friends reminded me this week, we were talking about sleep deprivation. And she said, you do know that that is a form of of torture. (laughs) And I was like... Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. straight up true. And it the, is. The fact that a lot of moms were like, oh, I'm used to it. No, they're... I wake up four times a night for the past year and I'm used to it. And it's like, we are not healthy. You've gotten used to like a form of torture. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> which it is so hard because not everyone has someone who can help them. Or like, I'm very blessed that, I mean, my husband helps get up at night. Yeah. So that I can get some sleep. Not everybody has that. So it's a very tricky, but for other people around that mom, to be aware that that's a huge problem and that they need to step in and help. I think a lot of times, uh, at least from my perspective of not having children and um, other moms that do have children, I'm like, you kind of go, they have a new baby. I don't want to bother them. But really, you're more of a help to them. So, like, the people who are around those new moms, like, go at, like, don't even, yeah. like you said, your friend came and, didn't yeah. even ask you. There, no, there was she didn't no asking. Ask. Which you kind of need to not ask, actually, no, I think, the because moms... they're going to feel like they have to say no. Mm-hmm. Or they're going to, because who, no one wants, like, early on, my mom came and would literally be up with the baby at night and let me sleep until feeding happened. She doesn't want to do that. No. <laughs> no one wants to do that. <laughs> I mean, it, but it's something that she did because she knew I needed it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but I think that I mean, if you want to give a new mom a gift, come on night shift one night. Let them sleep. Yes. Let them sleep. sleep. Um, Because also, your body is just not healing to the same level. Um, When you're not sleeping. When you're not sleeping. Um, The other thing is, I don't know if you ever experienced this, but when when I am and when I was tired postpartum, I ached. 
Oh, yeah. I just had I just had body aches and anything that was a little bit sore just was magnified by that fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, then you know a lot of times too, people will bring. Um, oh, this is a good point for a postpartum mom. Please don't just bring them comfort food. No, yeah, that's seventy five percent fat and twenty five percent carbs. Because you, they need protein and they need nutritious foods. And, mm-hmm. and that means you have to be a little bit creative. Um, but just giving comfort food um, mm-hmm. is not putting what they need in their body. Yeah, they're not sleeping. Can't completely fix that. Um, if they're breastfeeding, a baby is draining them. Mm-hmm. Um and they shouldn't be preparing meals at the beginning no. anyways. So just being it's mindful. Um, making meals that are healthy and able yeah. to be frozen. And I used to love when people would bring, my favorite balance was like where they'd, because I will admit that if someone brought me a dinner and they brought me only a salad, I'd be a little sad. So I was like, I'm hungry. <laughs> no, you need protein. <laughs> but like, bring so, me a slab of steak, <laughs> medium rare. Oh my gosh, I did have some friends do that, and I was like, yes. But my favorite was when, yeah, really rich in protein and vegetables. Um, but then they also brought. I always loved when they brought me like a tiny thing of chocolate as oh, yeah. well, because I was like, mm, it's like my treat at the end of it. But then I had a few people who would also bring fruits and vegetables and stuff, or like some pr- friends bought me like lactation bars, and yeah. they would just stock my fridge. I don't think people realize how incredibly helpful and valuable that is. Like I'd have breakfast. And when I was feeling like I was about to like, I was shaking and so hungry and I would be able to grab a lactation bar out of my fridge Mm -hmm. and eat some healthy snacks to go that I did not have to prepare myself. That was so helpful. Like it helped equip me to be successful with my nutrition. Well, if you're not eating and you're not not sleeping, (laughs) you can't think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and you just don't have time sometimes no, to do those well, things. No, you still can't think. Yeah. You don't have time and you can't think. And that's not a very good combo. <laughs> Mom brain is a real thing. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> I've seen it in effect. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. If you have any physical therapy questions for us, find us on Facebook or Instagram. Feel free to send us messages. Or also visit us at healathomemoms.com. And we'll see you next time. 